Good Friday is always a very, very important day because without this day, we will not have salvation. It is this day that marks the beginning of redemption for all humankind. And we know it is a trilogy. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, Sunday. And so together, all three. Of course, when we talk about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, isn't it? And so today, we are in that second bit in the middle between when Jesus was taken, his crucifixion, and his eventual resurrection. So welcome. We give God thanks for this evening. It's going to be a very brief service, but it's a time for us to reflect. Like we did yesterday, it was such a beautiful, moving service, you know, full of a lot of um, tradition and symbolism, and it was quite a lovely time in God's presence. And I believe this evening again that we have opportunity of reflecting. And we are blessed, as I announced uh, the other day, that a very good friend and Bishop of Mahajibama Diocese of the Anglican Church in Nigeria is here to share with us God's word this evening. Um, so, let us pray. Eternal God, we give thanks and praise to you this evening. And we pray, Lord, that your presence that is already here will be experienced by every one of us. Lord, we know that wherever two or three are gathered, that you are there in their midst. And so, God, we know you are here in our midst. We pray then, Holy Spirit, that you will inspire our worship. Holy Spirit, we pray that everything will ascend onto your throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace for the time of need. And there is no time of need greater than this time. We need you, Lord, more than ever before, because we live in a world that is increasingly becoming hostile to the things of God. And so, Lord, we need you. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your anointing more than ever before that the world will see, not us, but you, Jesus, crucified and resurrected and coming again. When we talk about your death, Lord, we're not talking about someone who is in the grave. Yes, we do remember that time, the crucifixion, the burial. Lord Almighty, your death. Yes, indeed, you did die. But then you rose again from the dead. And you destroyed the keys of hell and Hades. You destroyed, Lord, the power of death. That one day we will rise also like you did. We praise you and we worship you, O God. Be exalted, ancient of days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture says he was despised and rejected by others, 
a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Jesus sentenced to be crucified. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me... I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? It's interesting that someone is sitting in judgment over another person and doesn't even know the person he's judging. Right at that point, he's asking Jesus, where do you come from? And the Bible says he was afraid. He was afraid. Where do you come from? It, it, really, it really struck me there. And as I was speaking earlier, I laid my hand here. And somehow, I was pricked by the thorns here. And I quickly, you know, drew my hand. But then it reminded me. It was put on Jesus' head, the crown of thorns. Here, I was just simply pricked my hands. And I felt, wow, Jesus, he took everything on our behalf. It's not by power, nor by might. It's not because we merited it by our own self. It's not because, Father, Lord Almighty, 
We are the ones who took it by ourselves, but you gave it to us. You offered us grace. Lord Almighty, when we could not attain it, the Bible says, Lord, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But Father, you lifted us up and you brought us. The Bible says we are seated with you, Lord Jesus, in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. In this evening, Lord, we come in humility. Yes, Lord, to receive the gift of life again, afresh again, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Father, for your servant that you have prepared to minister to us this evening. We pray the Lord through him. Blessing be released upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Reverend Dr. Chidi, apologize. Welcome, sir. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you again for this opportunity to share and reflect over your journey on earth for us. We pray you open our hearts again to your word. Come for you speak to us. Understanding. Give us grace to put it to work as well. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to thank uh, Reverend George for this opportunity to share with you. And it was amazing. Last Sunday, I was, I was blessed last Sunday through the worship. And then also today again, the work at the center. Thank you so much also for coming this evening to share fellowship with us. May God bless us together in Jesus' name. I want to take a text from where we read John chapter 19 verse 6. As soon as the chief priest the officials saw him. They shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, who take him and crucify him? As for me, I find no basis for charge against him. This thing we're going to be reflecting on this small brief theme entitled, not guilty but condemned. He wasn't found guilty but he was condemned. And that just scripture of red talks about that. A few years ago, a young man had a, uh, committed a crime as accused, alleged, and he went to court. At the end of the court proceeding, he was discharged and acquitted and was told he was free to go. But the prison warden refused him to go. They kept him in prison uh, after two days to release him. So he pressed charges against them and got about five million naira to his credit for keeping him two more days after he was set free. But here we see Jesus not guilty, but condemned. How would you have felt if you were in his position that you were not found guilty for the accusation, but still, you were condemned and heard in God's case? I'm sure you would have said, no, you go to court to claim your damages and rights. Jesus continued to suffer for us, not because we merited it, not because we forced him, he was his choice to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become righteousness of God. He had no sin, 
accommodate no one, and it was medicine for us. Just suffer humiliation and despise in the hands of those he came to save. We are read in our opening uh, verses, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 to 6, talks about who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord made revealed. He grew before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of sorrow and familiar with pain, like one from whom God, people hid their face, faces, and he was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. For he was pierced for our transgressions, he was cruised for our iniquities. The punishment of our, us that brought peace, that brought peace upon us, was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. For all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid him upon him the iniquity of all of us all. The iniquity we committed and since we committed, we were supposed to answer for. God put upon him to suffer for us. Who are those people who were there when he was suffering? Who are the people? When the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, this scripture, these are a few things we want to look at. Who were the people who were there? Who were supposed to accuse those who sinned against him? Who were those who were supposed to speak and who never spoke? One, number one happened to be the justice keeper. The man who was supposed to keep justice, who was supposed to make justice, who was supposed to talk about justice. That's the governor, Pilate himself. Pilate himself, what he said. So finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. He handed him over to them to be crucified. Who's supposed to defend him? He's supposed to say no. He was handed over to him. Number two, the custodians of justice, righteousness, and moral ethics. Who are they? The high priests. For instance, like a vicar. He's one of the high priests. I'm a high priest. These are people who were there who handed him over. The high priests. The Bible says, John chapter 19, verse 6, we read again. As soon as the chief priests, not small priests, not low priests, not uh, servants, these are not elders, these are chief priests, high priests. And the officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Number three of those who were there, those who sit in council and take decisions, the officials, they were also there, who sit in council and take decisions that govern the nation, govern the society, govern the community where we find ourselves, they were also there. And uh, that's uh, John chapter 19, 6, 8 says, as soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Number four of those who were there, those who he healed, delivered, and fed, and turned their fortunes around. That's the public, the people. They were also there. And look at what they said. What is the truth? John chapter 18, verse 38 to 40. Instructed Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for this charge against me. For it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Number five of those who are there, opinion models, those who mold opinion, those who are who have high seats, county council leaders, political leaders, who are the Jewish class, Jewish class, they were also there. 
uh, John 13, verse 28 says, Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Tibet to the palace of the Roman governor. So they were there. Number six of those who were also there, secret believers, those who, whose, whose worship is private, they hardly speak up in defense of their faith. They are political, correct believers and would not want to be offending, offending anyone either. And that's people who can read John chapter 19, verse 8 and 40. Later, John, Joseph Arumathea asked Pilate for the body of Christ. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish, Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the same man who came to Jesus by night, who brought his money for the burial. They are, these are disciples of Jesus, but quiet, private worshippers. They can't talk about him publicly because they're afraid what will happen to them. The seven people who were there, seven people who were there, those who are supposed to defend the vulnerable and provide comfort, com comfortable security for the weak, the soldiers. We are there, soldiers were there. And uh, John chapter 19, 16b to 18 says, So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the, past, to the place of skull. The soldiers also were there. Who's supposed to defend the weak? Who's supposed to say, no, this man didn't commit an offense. It's okay. Who's supposed to protect him? They were there giving their approval to his uh, death. The eight group of people are the criminals, the crime conveyors. Who's supposed to be, who's supposed to be facing criminal charges? They were also there. The two criminals at the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 says, two other men both criminals were also let out with him. So they were there. Criminals were there. The group, group nine, who's the last group, who, was, who were there when he was crucified, amongst uh, those who were, who were there when he was crucified, conspirators, but could not do anything, watch helplessly, the beloved apostles and the wonderful disciples of Jesus. They were there. And they couldn't say no. They couldn't say we'll die with you. The apostles were there disciples were there, and they couldn't do much. They were helpless. They saw him crucified, and they couldn't do anything. And uh, there you can find out in Luke chapter 23, verse 27, 28, and 29. A large crowd of people followed him, including women who mourned and waited for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Zion, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, when you will say, blessed are the childless women, women and the wombs that never get back. Then lessons to learn from four of them. Number one, Jesus never held these things or grievances against them. Hence, in Luke chapter 28, 23, verse 34, he said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Unfortunately, can I say that to, from if I'm the person involved today? Forgive a man who went to the market and, and bought nails, big nails, came with hammers, and then prepared a wooden cross and kept me on top of it. I'm screwed the nails into my pants, and I'm saying they don't know what they're doing. Jesus said, forgive them, don't know what they're doing. For me, it's an enormous lesson, and as Christians, be able to let go. When we let go, our heart will be healed quickly. When we hold on, the heart will continue to pain us. So Jesus said, forgive them. These are people who were screwing into his hands, who abused him, who insulted him. Some slapped him. Some spited on him. 
There are people saying, forgive them. They were still there watching him to die, but he to forgive them. Number two, Jesus died for us before we received salvation. There are none of us that received salvation before Jesus died. He had died for us. Forgiveness we today inherit today had, had been given 2,000 years ago. So it's not as if it's because of our righteousness or because we are good or have anything to contribute to our salvation. No. He died ever before we are even saved. How do I go to know that? Romans chapter 8, chapter 5, verse 8 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. So we are forgiven already before the before we salvation, we have been forgiven years ago. So it's a great lesson for us to learn. Even Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, sorry, yeah, says, For all have sinned, contrary of his glory. No, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we merited it. While we are still far away from him, while we are still sinners, he died for us. And I pray that he will give us grace to also let go. Number three, lesson. His death brought us tremendous miracles. Brought us tremendous miracles. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. So, tremendous miracles came because of his death. And finally, number four, he brought us access to the Holy of Holies. Before now, People were not allowed to see the Holy of Holies. It was painted with a thick curtain. Only a priest goes in, go into, go in there once a year annually to attend to the sins of others. He goes there with blood of goats and animals. And then God said that one wasn't sufficient any, no, any longer to atone for our sins. He had to send his own son who died. And the, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 54 says, And when Jesus had cried out again, in a loud voice, he gave up the spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out from the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This is exactly what happened. His death brought to us that we, had, we now have access to God without going to intermediary any longer, without coming from our homes. I want to imagine, you know, if in those days you were coming to church, you come with a goat or cow. Every, everybody's carrying his own to church. To the high priest to slaughter and then take the blood to the altar and turn for your sin and wait for him to come out. If he doesn't come out, your sins are retained. If he comes out, you say, whoa, thank God, today we are saved. But all of that, Bible says he died once and for all. No more protocol. May God bless the seal of his word as we meditate over it in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Let's reflect over the things we've heard. He died for us. Not because we have what it takes. Not because of us. He died for us. Not because we are saved before he died, no. The Bible says none of us is righteous before God. He even said righteousness of all of us is a filthy rag before him. Can we reflect again and ask him to, to, to have mercy?
to say forgive them. The dead gave us access to the Holy of Holies. Let's ask him for grace to live for him. Let's ask him for grace to be broken inside once more and yield our hearts to him. Father, we thank you sincerely again for this opportunity. May your word never bring condemnation to us. May your word strengthen our faith in you and defend, help us to depend on you continually. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. So we sing your praise. Yes, Lord, as long as there is breath in this body, I will sing your praise. So long as, Lord, as there is life in me, I will sing your praise. Lord, we will worship you in life or in death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so, Lord, we thank you for the grace. Thank you, Lord, for your servant that you used to bless us tonight. We pray that, Lord, you will replenish him abundantly in Jesus' name. And as we go, Lord, we know that we are in your hands. We know you continue to guide us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The last words of the Lord before he was taken. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face, with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will.